going to get into our message. We don't have any testimony this evening. Uh, the testimony was uh, the testimony is is highly encouraged in this church. Believe it or not, have enough. Um, no, we just don't have enough answered prayer. I think. Not against us, Pastor Charles. No answered prayer, no testimony. <laughs> if you have a cell phone, please make sure they're turned off or in silent mode. This is that time that when you turn it off or when it rings too, that's okay. We can do it then too. Tonight we have one verse tonight. I entitled our message, Change of Heart. We're going to be discussing and learning about Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Verse 18. Uh, I entitled it, Change of Heart. This is the part two of prayer for the faithful. When Paul was praying for the Ephesians. Um, and that verse... We have two points this evening. First point is the importance of prayer, and then the second point is the change of heart. So if you all have your Bibles or in your devices and you have all turned off your phones or put them on silent mode, let me uh, say a word of prayer real quick, and then we'll get into the lesson. Dear Father, we thank you for all your blessings that you have given to us today and for the entire week. We thank you for allowing us to gather both online and, and physically here in this building. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Forgive our negligence of our testimony, of our lack of concentration of you, of our lack of dedication to live for you. Forgive us, Lord God. We are grateful for your grace and your mercy, Father God, as you always cover us with your blood. Tonight, Lord, we ask again for your guidance. We ask for your anointing. We ask that you teach us and you guide us of your truth and of your will your ways, and your power, and your love for us. We thank you, Father. May you hear our prayers, and we ask all of this in your Son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. I know we're trying to get out of a, uh, chapter 1, I think, you know, trying to get out of it, but uh, I tried, but then God just kept me stuck on verse 18. And then the... Not last week, because John John preached a different topic last week, but the week before our anniversary, we discussed and we were learning the first part of it when Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. He was praying for the faithful ones. Uh, just a quick review of that, that we do have a tendency to pray for people who are backsliding, which is rightfully so. And then we are mostly prompted to pray when we are in trouble or we are stuck. When there's when there's no more there's no way out, that's the only time we pray, and rightfully so. But Paul has shown us, Paul shows us here that when we have that excitement or joy about faithful believers on how faithfully they've been serving and working for God. And living for God, that should also prompt us to pray for them. So, with that in mind, we're going to have Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. 
and it reads the first part, I pray. This is Paul saying, I pray. Look at chap, uh, Acts, the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 11. The Lord told him, the Lord speaking to Ananias, when Paul was still Saul, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. See, praying, whether you're a believer or not, praying when you're in trouble comes naturally. You can just watch CNN, and if there's something tra tragic, they're always talking about prayer. CNN. <laughs> um, there, there's always something about prayer when there's trouble. We're sending prayers to you, sending good thoughts over to you. But look at the big difference here now. Paul in Ephesians 1.18 when he says, I pray. The whole context of chapter 1 of his prayer was not for himself. Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. But the, the praying part, the Saul who was praying in, chapter, in Acts chapter 9, was Paul or Saul praying for himself. The maturity in our faith, will the prayer, and as we mature in the faith, will revolve, will move from praying for ourselves to praying for other people. That's when you will see a great maturity in your faith and in your prayer life. Once you have removed your eyes from your own needs and actually make your foresight or your vision and your prayer to, uh, towards other people. Because Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Ephesians. I know this is a review, right? He was in prison. He was not going through uh, good times. He was not writing, writing this in the penthouse in Vegas. He was in prison. He was in prison. But yet, he was not praying for himself. He took the time to write the, the believers of, of Ephesus to tell them, I am praying. I pray for you. I was telling Anna, I go, babe, it's, it's going to be about prayer again. I go, does that sound repetitious to you? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever we talk about prayer, we've talked about prayer many times already. But you know... There, if, if you look at the Bible, Jesus talked about prayer a lot. Paul spoke about prayer a lot because there's a huge tendency, and you can argue with me on this, tell me if I'm wrong, that we forget. That's why repetition is important because we tend to forget. Believers, Satan, Satan laughs at your ministry. Satan laughs at your good works. Satan laughs at whatever you think you have. He laughs at it if you don't cover it with prayer. Because Satan, Satan trembles when you're praying. Because believer, you don't have any power whatsoever to battle against the enemy if you are not praying. If you are not praying, if, if you're, we're not praying for each other, no amount of votes or recounts can amount to your problems, can solve your problems if you are not praying. You know, I was just talking to, it, it's, not, it's not strange, but it's very timely, that I was talking to a couple of missionaries, uh, our, our new members, and they were telling us, they were telling me that 
the one great thing that they always ask for is not money, but prayer. Before they get to the mission field, when they get off, when they get on the bus, when they get off the bus, when, when they're at their destination, while they're doing their work, and right after, they need prayer. You know, Paul was very prayerful, don't you think? The apostles, the disciples were very prayerful. Because, you know, if you see ourselves, and this is what we are, we are just, we are vessels. We are vessels, but we are empty vessels. We are empty vessels. It is God who fills us. But he, how does He fill us? How do we connect with Him? Through prayer. Through prayer. Because we're just empty vessels. We have no power whatsoever to serve God and His kingdom in this world that is against Him if we are not prayerful. Look at the, look at the account of Ananias there. <laughs> Remember the conversation between Ananias and God? Ananias told God, Lord, this is the same guy that is persecuting your people. You want me to go to him. And God said, go there for he is praying. You know, every prayer, all our prayers, believers, all our prayers, God hears. There's no wasted prayer. God hears our prayers. And then, and I read this devotion by Charles Spurgeon where he said that there are times when we don't know what to say, right? We just have tears, correct? Because we're so fearful of our situation, of our circumstance, that we can't say anything. We don't have the words for it. We can't, we can't put it together. What all we do is just cry. But that's an intimate prayer. Because not, not even our tears are wasted. Because there is a verse there, remember, that God puts our tears in a bottle. There's nothing wasted. What is wasted is the opportunity to pray. That is what is wasted. I, I, I will bet, I will bet a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm betting. The pastor's betting. I will bet a hundred dollars that if you look at your, uh, your, your screen time, that is more minutes than you have spent on prayer for the past three months. Partida, that's, that's, <laughs> what's partida in English? Partida, or. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that there's a leeway that's three months I'm saying that's three months you're looking at weak screen time your weak screen time will not even amount to your three months worth of prayer unless you were in trouble unless you're one of the believers that were in trouble unless you're one of the believers that got sick or have, has a relative that's sick unless you're that person that is sick or struggling. Yes, your prayer, your prayer time just increased tremendously by a hundred percent, two hundred percent, three hundred percent. But when th when things are good, things are well, there's no need for God. There's no room for God. Isn't that the saddest thing? There's no room for him here, Lord. There's no room for him, Lord. Christmas is around the corner. Remember that? There's no room for you here. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's both in James 4.6 and 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Prayer, prayer shows us. Prayer humbles us. And it shows us that we cannot do anything apart from God. That is prayer, folks. Prayer is admitting that we cannot do it and God can. That is prayer. That's why look at Paul. He says simply, he says, 
I pray. He prays for the Ephesian church. We pray. We should be praying. You know, there is a story about little Johnny in his Sunday school. And the, 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 the Sunday school teacher, just he, she wanted to emphasize the importance of prayer. So she asked Johnny, she goes, Johnny, be honest with me. Do you say your prayers before you eat? Johnny, quick with his words, stands up and she goes, Honestly, ma'am, I usually don't. Only when my dad cooks. No? Okay. <laughs> Only when his dad cooks is when he prays. Okay. That's all right. You guys can explain to yourself later. The example of Paul praying to God because of the faithfulness of the Ephesian church, which brewed a sense of overwhelming joy, we must copy. Time and time again, Jesus reminded his disciples and have taught his disciples how to pray. He taught them how to pray. He didn't tell them how to preach. He didn't tell them how to start a ministry. He didn't tell them how to organize fundraising. He taught them how to pray. How to pray. Look at Luke twenty-two forty-six. Remember this? That's why we need to repeat it time and time again. Because an account here by Jesus in a, in a span of hours and a few minutes, He still... His first instructions to them, stay here and pray. Right? And then he comes back to them, finds them sleeping. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Now there are plenty of temptations that we can discuss here. There are plenty we could put in this category. What I'd like us to use just for the sake of this evening, the temptation to worry. The temptation to worry. Some of us are probably concerned about the results of the election. Some of us, probably not, probably happy, right? Some of us are probably concerned where the economy is going to go. Some of us are probably concerned where our, our, our wages are going to go. We're probably concerned about how our kids are going to grow up in, in this society. We're probably, there's many things we can be worried about and we have justified worry. Correct? We have justified worry by saying this. I'm responsible. Because I think about these things. That makes me responsible. That makes me a planner. We plan to worry. So that when that worry comes, there's no more worry. Until the next worry. <laughs> right? We're worry experts. Dr. Worry is what they call me. But then we look at Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about some things. But you can worry about your money issues. No. Do not worry about your relationships. No, it says do not be anxious or worry. Do not worry about anything. Well, now no, it's just not telling you to not worry. It's just not telling you not to worry. It's telling you that you can do that, but in every situation by prayer. By prayer. Now we go back to prayer, right? 
we go back to prayer. But I don't think anybody's going to take me on my bet on how much screen time you have versus your prayer time. Right? Is there any takers here? I'm kind of worried right now because Pastor Charles is in the room. <laughs> we need to be praying instead of worrying. We need to be praying about our child. We need to be praying about our spouse. We need to be praying about our work. We need to be praying about our health. We need to be praying about our relatives who have not surrendered to Christ. We need to be praying for them. We don't need to worry for them. We shouldn't worry, at least. That's easier said than done. I know. I have the pimples to prove it. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> But we have to be praying. I know we've discussed this before. We've discussed this before. But like the disciples, in a matter of hours, they forget. And they forgot. And they slept. And, and, then, and then when the trial came, Jesus moved forward to the cross. The disciples dispersed. You know, if, if, if Jesus is saying... That we need to be prayerful so that we don't fall into temptation. That if Paul is saying that we need to be prayerful so that we will be victorious, so that we will be able to, to battle against the enemy, that we need to be praying, are you honestly telling me that you will only pray when the trouble is there? That's just like you signing up for the army and you turning down the training part. And you'll say, I'll train. When the war gets here, that's when I'll learn how to shoot those guns. That's when I'll learn how to maneuver. That's when I'll learn about our plans. When the war is here, call me and then I'll sign up for training. It's like talking about the force in the Philippines. We'll do it later. We'll train later. We'll get there when you need us. No. Isn't that, isn't that silly? It's ridiculous. You would be all over social media getting mad at the, at the army saying, what kind of training? What kind of people are these guys? They're going to train when, people, when the trouble is here? They're not going to train before trouble comes? That's the same thing for believers who do not pray and only pray when trouble comes. Same thing. Same thing. Now, there has to be a change of heart. If we know that prayer is what strengthens us, if we know that we are empty vessels and that when we pray, that's when God fills us and that God, that's when God empowers us, there has to be a change of heart. Why do I say heart? Because heart is the one, once you fall in love with someone, right? there's nobody that's going to change your mind. Correct? Because once somebody gets your heart, your mind goes with it automatically too. That's why we're saying change of heart. There has to be a change of heart. Look at this, the, the, the next prayer of Paul. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. So he prays that the eyes of our heart, I want to try not to sing it, but remember that song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. 
open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I'm trying not to sing now. See what Paul is trying to say here for the believers. He's saying, he's praying that their eyes will be enlightened in order that they may know. He's praying for what? He's praying for wisdom. He's praying for God to give the Ephesian church wisdom. He is not telling, he's not praying for the Ephesians, Lord, I hope, I'm praying, church, for you guys that you will have more ministries. I'm praying that there will be more activities. I'm praying that there will be growth. No, he's saying, I'm, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. He's praying for wisdom. Our tendency when we pray for people is that we pray for the fruits. We pray for the fruits. We pray for the end result. We pray for the concern. We find out that our son is doing drugs. We say, Lord, please have my son stop doing drugs. When we find out that our children are, are, ex, are, are living a sinful life and are having premarital sex, we're saying, Lord, please don't have my children have premarital sex. We find out that our husband is cheating on us. We pray, Lord, please don't have my husband cheat on me. So often, all we want all we want is what we say in the prayer. Very often, if you hear yourself in your prayer, you're always praying for the end result, what you want. You're praying for behavioral patterns to be removed. You're praying, you're, you're basically, when you pray for behavior results, you're, when you, it's like chopping down a tree and you're hitting the leaves. You're trying to chop down a tree and you're hitting the leaves. That is when you're praying for behaviors only. That's when you're focusing on the outcome. You're focusing on the fruits. What you, what you should be praying for is for the heart. Lord, please change the heart of my husband. Lord, please open the eyes of his heart so that he will see your truth. And then in the process, he will see his error. In what he's trying to do. Please open the eyes of my children and give them wisdom, Lord God, and let them realize that what they're doing is hurting themselves and not glorifying you. Do you think God doesn't know that you want your children to that you want your children to stop doing drugs? God knows it. But we need to refine our prayer to, to realizing that if the person if the person doesn't, re number one, if the person doesn't know Christ, no matter what behavioral change they'll do, it will come back again. Once they're out of trouble, once they're bored, once there's an interesting person again that caught their eye. We need to be, we need to realize that true change, if you're praying for change in a person, True change can only be given by Jesus Christ. Amen? And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, folks, you, people can't discover Jesus Christ. There's no, oh, I discovered God. No. God reveals himself to the person. 
God reveals himself to the person. And then anything spiritually, which is God, because He's Spirit and everything about Him is spiritually discerned. And again, that's given by the Holy Spirit. So our prayer when we're praying for our lost uh, loved ones, right? The, the ones that have not accepted Christ, we, we pray, right? We have to pray. We have to pray that the eyes of their hearts will be open to the gospel. We pray for that. We pray for their hearts. And then we don't stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Some of us, we, we think our prayer in January covers the whole year. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to be a church member and it won't show up for the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> until it's camping <laughs> it's the only time I'll see you again or family day or somebody's birthday <laughs> right we, we think one action the one action that doesn't need repeating is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord that doesn't need repeating that's a one time deal but that's justification takes one time because Jesus' work is perfect. However, sanctification is as long as you're breathing, and as long as you're living in this world, you need to get sanctified. You need to deny yourself, take up His cross daily, and come follow Him. The prayer, again, verse 18. So He says, right? I pray that your eye, the eyes of your heart will be open in order that you may know the hope, the hope to which He has called you. The hope that He has called you. The, the word hope, the Greek word of hope is elpis. Elpis. And, and the original meaning, the Greek meaning of hope in the Bible when you read it, it means Confidence, it's confident. It's expecting confidently that it will happen. Now we have a different meaning of hope. Oh, hey, um, you're going to invite somebody for your birth, part day, right? birthday, right? You go, hey, can you come for my birthday? Oh yeah, I'll try. And then you'll hang up the phone. Oh, I hope they make it. But when you say you hope they make it, you're automatically thinking, probably not going to make it. But if they make it, great. If they don't, oh well. Right? Right? That's what we say. Oh, I hope it doesn't snow tomorrow. Right? Oh, I hope my life will be better. No. There's a, there's a resignment in our hope on how we use hope. There's a resignment on the negative. But the hope in the Bible is confident. It's confident. You expect it confidently because you, you wait hoping and you are faithfully expecting confidently. Confidently. Now, I agree with other biblical scholars who have said that the biggest reason of many carnal Christians, carnal, carnal Christians or nominal Christians, are the ones that have not grown in their relationship with the Lord. The lukewarm Christians, right? 
the lukewarm ones, the ones that they were just happy that they accepted Christ and they'll go to heaven and they're just waiting, but they're really still living more for the world. That's them. But the one thing that really caught them, the, real, the one thing that really have kept them is that they, they have no idea on what heaven is. And they could care less what heaven is. Because right here and right now is what truly matters for them. The attraction of the world, the, the glitz and glamour of this world, the attracting, the, the, the very attractive car, the big house, the glamorous life. They have not let go of that and they could care less of the hope that is waiting for us. The hope that is in heaven that is waiting for us. Oh, I'll get that when I get there. It's guaranteed. But right now, I want to enjoy all this. John 14, 1-3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have, not, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus took the time and bothered to put it here in the Bible for us to read that he has prepared a place for us in heaven. But we could care less to read our Bibles that's just collecting dust on our bookshelves, on our cars, in our cars, right? We only pick it up when we're in trouble or we need something blessing. Bless this. And then we tap the Bible. and Before our kids go to school, hold the Bible. Go. Touch the Bible. Go. We use it as a supernatural, superstitious thing. That we don't recognize that it is God's living word. That everything in there is true. Here, I'm pointing this out because this is Jesus reminding us that there is something special that he is preparing there for us. Mansions. No eye has seen. Streets covered. Paved with gold. The thing that we kill people for here, we're going to step on it in heaven. But we don't care about that. We, 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 don't, have, we don't have the same passion of, of, of enjoying that thought. Not, not, I don't even know if your hearts are jumping for that thought. Compared to tomorrow you'll get $100,000 in your bank's, bank account. Because Steve Jobs said, he, oh he's dead. Um, the other guy, Bill Gates said he'll commit 100000 I think you'll have more excitement for the 100000 than heaven. How about a drill? How about God tells you, He gives you a choice. He'll say, Joe, you have a choice. Tomorrow you can be with me in heaven, or tomorrow you can have a million dollars. And I'll let you live for a hundred years. Right? 
Now, it's an easy answer. If you love God, it's an easy answer. Lord, ridiculous. It's not even going to amount to anything. Take me now, Lord Jesus. Take me now. And then he doesn't take you and he puts you in jail. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you left that out, Lord. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a story between, do you guys remember Bong? Bong the cigarette vendor? Bong the cigarette vendor went on a trip with Albert Einstein. Right? And, and Sherlock Holmes. And Sherlock Holmes. They went on a trip. Their plane crashed. Pastor Charles, they all swam to an island. They went to an island. Okay? And they ate everything that the island had to offer. Coconuts, everything. Animals, they got it. When they exhausted all their resources, they go, what are we going to do? We're going to die. We're going to die. Albert Einstein says, we have 72 hours to live. Sherlock Holmes says, I agree. And I think I'm going to end up killing you both before we do this. But then the Sherlock Holmes saw a, a bottle by the shore being beaten down by the waves. So Bong went to grab it. And Sherlock Holmes rubbed it. A genie came out. Genie came out. The genie said, I'll give you each one wish, all three of you, and you can have it. Sherlock Holmes goes, you know, I want to enjoy coffee on top of the Eiffel Tower right now and just watch how beautiful the view is from, from, top, from the top. Poof. Sherlock Holmes gone. Up in the Eiffel Tower, sipping his cappuccino. Next guy, Albert Einstein, grabs it, rubs it, and the, and, and the, the genie, genie goes, what do you want? He goes, I want to go back to my laboratory and, and, and discover E equals MC squared again. Poof, went back there. Went back there. Thing went back to Bong. Bong, the cigarette vendor. Bong, who only had second grade education. Grabs the, he has a lot to ask for. Don't you agree? He's been living a, a, a loser of a life. He only has great friends, but he's been a loser. So Bong says, Jeannie goes, what do you want, Bong? He goes, well, by myself here. I really miss my two friends. Can you please bring them back here? <laughs> Poof! The urge to kill was right there. It went back. That's like us in heaven. That's like us not enjoying or thinking or treasuring the thoughts, the thought that we're going to be in heaven. We're exchanging the, the, the enjoyment of heaven to this world, to the attraction of this world. Well, it has, this, has, this is nothing compared to heaven. This is nothing compared to heaven. This is a picture of the Korean missionaries in 2007. They all, uh, there's, uh, I believe there's, where's my notes? Yeah. That's them. There's 24, I, I believe. There's 24 of them. That's them. And they were captured. They were held hostage by the members of the Taliban while passing through Ghazni province of Afghanistan. Two male hostages were executed. Two, male ex two of the males were executed before the deal was reached between the Taliban and the South Korean government. The group composed of 16 women and 7 men 
and was captured while traveling from Kandahar to Kabul by bus on a mission sponsored by Samuel or Simo Presbyterian Church. So why am I showing you this? Because here's another picture. Uh, these are pictures of the two women when they were released from being hostage. But what's interesting here, folks, is that the two men that died, by the accounts of the people who survived, this is the account, this is the beauty of it. They were arguing on who was going to go first. They were arguing on who was going to go first. And the argument was, went like this. I die first because I'm your elder. And then the other guy said, No, you're an ordained pastor. I'm an ordained minister. I go first. Now, isn't that a picture of two people that truly know what heaven, what's waiting for them? The hope that is waiting for them? Isn't that a great picture, folks? Believers, if you love Jesus and you have accepted Jesus, the promise of heaven is also your hope. Why are we so afraid on what's going to happen in this world? I get it. I love relationships. I love my children. I love my wife. I love the church. I love to eat. A lot. <laughs> But this has nothing, is nothing compared to what the hope that is waiting for us in heaven. Nothing. Nothing. Not your career. Not your family life. Not the riches that you can gain here. Nothing. Nothing. But until your heart changes, you will continue to live your life and kill your life for the riches of this world. And you will be not useful for the kingdom of God. Because, my friends, you have reversed Matthew 6.33 in your life. Matthew 6.33 forward is, Seek Him first, His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But you have reversed it. Seek everything in this world. And then maybe... I'll seek Him and His righteousness and His kingdom later. When I have the money, when I'm retired, when I'm comfortable, that's when I'll serve God. But right now, I'll make all the money in the world right now. I'll enjoy myself right now. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Until this becomes true, this is just a memory verse for you. Until this becomes true, this could probably be at best your plate number in your car. Or a cute thing to hang on your wall. Or a nice t-shirt for you to print and wear. Or a nice verse to put in your social media. But until this, this, until, until this becomes real, until your hearts and your minds become for Christ, you will never live for Him. You will be a nominal Christian forever. 
you'll still have heaven because God is good. God is great. He is gracious that way. That's why, if you can imagine that and how much we fail Him, but yet still His promise is still true. His promise is still true. No matter how many times we fail Him, no, the broken promises that we've said, Lord, if you answer this prayer, Lord, I would be there for you. 24-7, Lord, I will live my life for you. But the second we got what we wanted, we forget about Him. The second when we think everything is good, the second that this COVID-19 goes, less praying is going to happen. There's going to be more reliance for the next Star Wars movie. And no outflow for the church. If you set your hope on something or someone else other than God, this is the sad thing, folks. You will lose that. You will lose that. If you set your hope on a person, that person will either die or fail you and you will be left with no hope you will be in despair if you set your hope on your money and you lose your money you will be of no hope and you will be in despair if you think popularity will get you there and then once you hit it and then it's no longer satisfying you you will be in despair look at the account of robin robin williams and the other celebrities that have reached that tim allen tim allen said in his testimony in an article, I think it was with uh, Vanity Fair, when he said, when he won the Oscars, when he won awards, because his show was, was very popular, in the peak of his popularity, he said, it was my most stressful time in my life. I was not happy. If you look at the account of, of Madonna, Madonna, right? Madonna. The person that has probably lived everything that the world has said to live. And she was not happy. Career, a place, all the traveling you could do. The second that God takes the, the ability for you to travel anywhere, you will be in despair. A spouse, a child, everything. If you set your hope on something else, it will crumble and you will be in despair so my advice not really my advice but in in chorus with paul jesus and the bible and edward moot you guys know of edward moot pastor charles know edward moot 1834 the person who wrote my hope is built on nothing less my hope is built on nothing less let me read this old hymn to you folks as we close it says my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it reads, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. There is a special place that God has prepared for us, folks. And you need to be excited for it. 
It doesn't matter who the president is here or anywhere else because our hope is not on them. It shouldn't be. It should be on God. And our hope is not on how this world turns out. Our hope is that there is a hope waiting for us in heaven that God has prepared for us. In Colossians 1.5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Let me repeat, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Folks, when the disciples told Jesus that they were like so happy that the spirits were submitting to them, they were so happy, Lord, even the spirits were surrendering to us. Jesus told them, that don't be happy about these things, but be happy that your names are written in the book of life. Folks, Jesus has promised heaven. Heaven is guaranteed for us. We need to see, we need to see with our spiritual eyes. We need to change our eye, our, the eyes of our hearts so that our, our minds will be changed and truly see this life that we're living. This is temporary. The bodies that we have are tents. The life that we're living here is to glorify God. Because the hope that is waiting for us in heaven is greater than whatever we can attain or what we can have in this world. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for reminding us through Paul the importance of prayer. And that the, our hearts must be changed and be focused on you and the hope that is in you. And Father, may we know of heaven, and may we be excited of heaven, as you have intended for us to be, unto how to think about it, how to, to be excited for it. Forgive us, Lord, for making other things and other people the source of our hope. We are grateful to you, Lord God, for being so gracious, merciful, and loving, and that you never get tired of us, Lord God. You never get tired of us to remind us to, 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 be, to just continue to pick us up and to continue to strengthen us. Help us, Lord God, to be prayerful. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to keep our hope on you. Set our hearts on things above, Lord God, where you are. And please help us set our minds on things above, Father. Not on the earthly things that we see here. We pray all of this in your son's Jesus, in your son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing hymn. And if you have any decision you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. If you've been coming to this church and God has impressed it in your heart to become a part of it, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Is given Jesus.
Christmas.